there. We're so glad you tuned in today. We would love to hear how God is using this podcast to encourage you. You can do so by visiting our website at wearefreedomlife.com. Welcome to Freedom. Have you ever made a mistake at work? Maybe it was a day that you were just off. You had one of those off days, you know. You're trying to be a professional. Maybe you're a specialist in your field. Maybe you just, or maybe you're not a specialist in your field, but you have great experience in that field. But that day, that one day, you made an error. Something didn't go right and something didn't pan out the way you thought it should or would. And you know your job and you know your position. You know what you're supposed to do, but that day was a bad day for you. How many ever had one of those bad days? You just had a bad day, right? Some of you are like, I had a bad year. It was a bad situation. Well, you had a bad day, right? The question is, because you had a bad day, should you quit? Because you had a bad day, you know, does that define you the rest of your career? Because you had a bad day, does that define your career? Hopefully the answer to this is no. That one day should not define your entire career, right? Well, it is true that you made a mistake. The biggest, the most important thing that you can get from it is to understand that how do I learn from this mistake and how do I not allow this to happen again? How do I prevent this mistake from happening again? Anybody in any position would be well served to ask this question. How could I prevent this and how could I correct this so it won't happen again? Well, you can learn on the truth of who you are by what you're willing to do. You can learn by that truth and say, you know what, I'm better than this. I can move forward from this. But the biggest thing is to learn how to learn from it. Learn how to learn from your mistakes. And that's tough sometimes. So today I want to tell you this. Deal with this struggle or sin with God and not apart from him. See, because this relates to our faith sometimes. Sometimes we walk this great faith, we walk this life with Jesus, but then we mess up one day and we go, wow, what happened here? Like, this was not like me, or how did this happen? Where did this come from? You ever asked that question? You ever messed up and like, where did that come from? Well, it came from inside. It came from you. Because every one of us, in one way or another, we're going to have those moments in our life that something's going to slip up and mess up. Now, the question is, where do we go from here? I want to talk about a common experience here today. Because since Adam and Eve, man has been trying to outlive their issue and outlive their problem over and over again. I messed up. Is this going to define me? I messed up. Is this going to define me? Well, what, what do you do when you're as wise as a serpent, but not as harmless as a dove? What happens when you try to be slicker than the God you serve? You try to slip things through your faith. In other words, this is not a terribly big deal. This is not a, that big of a deal. God knows my heart. And the biggest mistake we could make in that point in time is that we, can, we can judge ourselves by our intentions and judge everybody else by their actions. I intended to do well so the Lord knows my heart. But somebody does something to you and you don't say the Lord knows their heart. You say, that person hurt me. When's the last time someone hurt you and you said, well, 
They hurt me really, really bad, but the Lord knows their heart. Hardly ever, if any, right? Because we judge people by their actions and we judge ourselves by our intentions. So what happens when our intentions are as smart and as uh, slick as a serpent, but we're no longer harmless as a dove? Because our slickness has put pain in other people's lives. What happens? What do we do with that? See, because the last few weeks we've been talking about how Christ told us to be wise as serpent and harmless as doves. He took two of the most opposite things you can probably take in scripture. Serpent being a sign of Satan in Genesis, right? Almost a symbol of Satan in Genesis. Watch this. And then the dove is a symbol of what in the New Testament? The Holy Spirit. You can't take two more contrary things, right? And he says, be both. What are you talking about? Well, you are supposed to be wise because if you serve God, he is freely giving you wisdom. Come on, somebody. How many of you know somebody that probably needs to hear this right now? God gave you wisdom. I wish somebody was here. I'll tell you what right now. I wish this person would have came. Listen, because it's easy for us to point out other people's, their, their lack of wisdom. But what happens when you are slick, but you're not harmless? You hurt somebody because you try to wiggle out of a situation. Well, something happened like that in 2 Samuel. Turn with me this morning as I bring this message entitled, I love you, but... That's it. I love you, but... We kind of come to a place where we're saying, God, I love you, but, but what? This is going to stay in my life. I love you, but that's not right, and I'm going I'm I'm to be the one to say something about this. I'm going to be the one to get revenge. I'm going to be the one because I am called to be wise as a serpent, but I don't want to be harmless as a dove because somebody hurt me. What happens when you're not the one that's hurt? What happens when you're as wise as a serpent, or at least you think you are, but you're no longer harmless as a dove? Well, we look in scripture in 2 Samuel chapter 12, and we see Nathan coming to David. And this is after David had sinned with Bathsheba. For those of you that don't know, the kings were out to war. David was out, and he was walking around the top of his roof. And there at a distance was Bathsheba bathing. And he looked down and he saw her and he, and, he, and he wanted her. And his eyes fell upon her and he said, everything my eyes fall upon I want. And as a king, you know, you kind of have that power to do what you want. Just because you have power doesn't mean you should execute it. Well, that didn't make any sense to David. He wanted her and he said, get her to me. Well, the problem was this. She was married. She had a dude. And uh, David said, well, I'm going to have to do something about that. Some of you know the story. Some of you don't. He sent him to, to war, the front lines, and he was killed. And he thought, whoo, safe. Covered my tracks. Now I can have her for myself. Thought it was all taken care of. So what happens? Nathan comes to him some time later 
And the, the Bible tells us in chapter 12, verse 1, the Lord sent Nathan to David, the prophet, that is. And he came to him and he said, there were two men in a certain town, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb that he had bought. He raised it and he grew, and he grew up with him and his children. He shared his food and drank from his cup and even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took the ewe lamb and, that belonged to the poor man and prepared it. That is to say, slaughtered this lamb for the man who had come to him. Verse 5, David burned with anger against the men, and he said to Nathan, as surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. He must pay for that lamb four times over because he did such thing and had no pity. Then Nathan said to David, you are the man. That's the first time in scripture that I can recall that you don't want to hear that you're the man. If someone tells a story like this and then says you're the man, you don't want to be the man. And in this case, not a good situation. You are not the man in this, in this situation. But in this case, you are the man in the story. You're the one that did this. You're the one that sinned. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, Nathan continues to prophesy. I anointed you king over Israel and delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave you. You notice how we starting to lay this out? Look at all the things I gave you. Look at all the things I provided for you. He says, I gave you your master's house, your master's wives into your arms. I gave you all of Israel and Judah, and all of this had been too little. I would have given you even more. Why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his eyes? You struck down Uriah the Hittite. That is Bathsheba's husband, and took his wife to be your own. You killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Now, therefore, the sword will, will never depart from your house because you despised me and took the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your own. A couple more verses. He says this This is what the Lord says out of your own household, I'm going to bring calamity on you. Before your very eyes, I will take your wives and give them to one who is close to you, and he will sleep with your wives in broad daylight. You did it in secret, but I, but, but I will do this thing in broad daylight before all of Israel. Talk about dropping the hammer. Look at a situation like this. David sinned before, the, before God and before man big time. David, if you understand how David lived his life, people knew that David was God's man. You remember David? This is the same David that killed Goliath. This is the same one that won many, many wars. This is the same one that was a warrior king, the man after God's own heart. This is David, people. This is David. David tried to cover it up, urged Bathsheba's husband Uriah, loyal soldier, by the way. He tried to get him to go home and sleep with his wife so he could try to cover this thing up. None of those covering, none of those coverage happened. None of that coverage took place. He was wrong, period. But we know better, don't we? Second Samuel chapter 11, verse 27 ends with this verdict. But the thing David had done displeased the Lord. But the thing David had done displeased the Lord. Can I tell you something? 
When I breathed my last breath on this earth, the last thing I wanted to be said was, the thing that Tony did displeased the Lord. God help us. I want in some way, shape, or form for God to say, well done. Well done, my good and faithful what? King? Pastor? Servant. Well done, my good and faithful servant. It's the highest calling. To be God's servant is to be better than man's king. To be God's servant is to be better than man's king. I tell you right now, there's nothing, no higher calling than to have God be pleased by you. So what happens when, you, when what you do displeases the Lord and it puts you in a position that's co- completely opposite than God's desire for you? In this message, I want to uncover what God's word says to all of us. And here it is. Are you ready? Here's, here it is in simple form. Three real plain points. Are you ready? If you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, here it is. Yield to God's mercy. If you notice, God went out of his way to point out David's sin. David didn't have one of those moments where he woke up in a cold sweat in the middle of the night and said, what I did was wrong. I can't, I can't do this anymore. Or He did have those moments. In fact, he did have moments in the Psalms where he wrote uh, things where he was going through calamity, but, but he didn't have that, that moment. And, and in fact, his sin was so okay in his heart that he didn't even notice he was the guy in the story. You know it's bad when someone tells a story about you and you can't even recognize yourself. It's bad when someone's talking about you in front of you and you don't even recognize it because you see yourself in such a different light. I'm not here to tell you that you're all guilty and um, you're all sinful. I'm telling you that we have all come from sin, but Jesus Christ set us free. Hello? You don't have to stay in that sin. You don't have to live in that sin. But understand this thing today, friend. All of us are prone to do what David did here. Cover it up. I don't want nobody to see the real me. Will the real King David please stand up? Right? He didn't even recognize where he was. He was the man in the story that sacrificed the one little lamb when he had plenty of his own. He could have had anybody he wanted. Why did he go after Uriah the Hittite's wife? When God points out your sin, friend, look at, look at me, yield to that. When God points out something you got going on in your life, yield to that. It's that love. See, you can pray for God's heart, but unless you yield to him, having a desire will never be enough. Did you hear me? You can pray for God's heart all you want, but unless you walk in obedience, you're still disobedient. I know a lot of people that talk a great game. They know all the right answers, and I know these people because I've seen them when I was a a youth pastor, associate, evangelist, and pastor. I met all kinds of people from all walks of life, and I can tell the ones that know all the right answers. You ever met someone that knows all the right answers, but when you look at their life, you're like, there's nothing that points Jesus in this thing. That's not to say that they're bad people in and of themselves, but you know what they have? They have a lot of great intentions and nothing to show for it. You know what they are? They're people with good knowledge, 
but they don't know the Savior. They don't know the Savior as the merciful Savior. See, a lot of people can look at grace and say, wow, and we talked about this in our, in our life group class, uh, cheap grace says, I want all the benefits, right? I want all the benefits of being a, a believer and following Jesus, but I don't want to do any sacrifice. A disciplined grace says this, I want all the benefits, but because of all the benefits, I'm going to discipline myself to follow him diligently because of the benefits that God has given me, because of the blessing. Look at me. See, you can walk this life and know all the right answers and still be wrong. Still be wrong. Most of the time, the scriptures you hear about David are great things, right? David took out Goliath. David took out the the, the Amorites. David took out the Hittites. David took the Amalekites out. David found revenge and he went to God and God said, go get them. Go get them. And he did. And David got him. David was good at getting. He was good with a get. He had a sword and he knew how to use it. Right? But this moment was a bad day. But that bad day, when not recognized and not yielding to God, became a bad season. Listen, you don't want a bad, you don't want a bad sin to become a bad season. Because it's harder to dig yourself out of that hole. Does that make sense? It gets harder and harder. So, so what, when we look at being wise as serpent, if you're doing it the wrong direction for your own pleasure, you're no longer harmless as a dove. So this moment in scripture is a shocker for some people. When you look at David, if we say, here's David's story, here's this story and that story, and David did this, and David won this battle, and David went before the Lord, and he danced before the Lord, and he did all these things, all these things in scripture, and then you're like, oh, there was that one time? That one time he did this. Is that the same David? Yeah, that's the same David. How could he? What was that? Why would he? For the same reason, Aaron, the guy who saw miracle after miracle after miracle that God used Moses in, was willing to carve idols out of the gold that God gave him and the people. One momentary act of indiscretion caused a lot of pain. Somebody say this, yield to God's mercy. Second thing is don't cover what God has uncovered. Don't cover what God has uncovered. So God comes to him through the prophet Nathan and says, you're the man. And guess what? There's going to be repercussions to this. There's going to be repercussions to your sin. And you will have to pay the price. In fact, at firstborn, seven days later, uh, his baby was gone. His boy was gone. We pretend that God is so merciful that he will overlook sin. No, he paid for sin, but he never overlooks it. Are you hearing me? There's a vast difference between God pardoning sin through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and God overlooking sin. God does not overlook sin. Proverbs 23, 13, whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Find mercy today, friend. Look at me. Some of you, some of you came in this morning and, 
maybe this doesn't quite apply to you in this moment because you're really faithful and you love God. But can I tell you something? There's not a single person in this room that hasn't tried to cover up what God has uncovered. He's revealed to you, listen, get this right in your life. And we're like, no, we don't really need to see that. God says, wait, wait, just take that. Listen, just look at this in your life. Oh, no, 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 no. I don't want to because it hurts too much. And, and uh, a close second is I don't want to because I don't want to change my life. Let's be honest. Most of the people don't convert to Jesus because they don't want to change their lives. They'd rather know God as a distant savior, right? They want to know God in the Bible. I read my Bible every day, but you do nothing about it. You do nothing about it. That's like me going into a, that's like me going into a dealership, right? And there's a car in the beautiful, in the, in the, in the, uh, the space there inside. And I walk in, and wow, this is a 2019 blah, 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 right? And I walk over and I go into the car and I sit in it. And the guy, you know, the salesman says, hey, sit in it. It's a really nice seat. That's really great. And I go into the, into the uh, glove compartment and I pull out the book and I start reading all about this car. Wow, it has this and it has that option. Yeah, it has all this. And then I put it back in the thing and I close it and I say, all right, have a great day. See you. And I walk out with no intentions to do anything about it. That guy would say, wow, that was a waste of time. I thought he was going to buy it. You know what? There's a lot of people that we read the instructions, we find out all the details, and we're like, oh, that's cool. (laughs) I can't afford that. Got to go. Can't afford it. Costs too much. Well, you're forgetting. He paid it all. Does it cost you something? Oh, yeah, it costs you something. Look at me. It costs you something. Your faith costs you something. Whoever conceals his sin doesn't prosper. My brothers, James 5 says, my brothers, if, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring him back, consider this. Turn a sinner from the error in his way. Save his soul from death. That will cover a multitude of sins. Bring somebody back. Do you know somebody that needs to know this Jesus there's a covering that happens, a cover-up. We hear cover-up and we think, oh, ooh, that's bad. Cover-ups are usually bad, right? But when Jesus said, I cover your sin, that's a very different situation. That's a good cover-up. How many know we need a good cover-up? His blood to cover us from all the things that we know bring us to a place of failure, bring us to a place of disobedience. Hebrews 9.22, without the shedding of blood, there was no forgiveness of sins. Even when Adam and Eve had sinned and admitted it, God made garments of skin. Why? He had to cover it up. First shedding of blood back in the garden. He's been, he's been covering things up for us for a long time because there had to be a shedding of blood to cover up. See, God's love is so great. Look at me. God's love is so great that, that he has always been stepping in for us from the garden with Adam and Eve. When Adam and Eve hid, God came. When David kept silent, God came. And in this story, he came to him through a story. He could have came in guns a-blazing, right? How dare you, David? But he didn't. He told him a story so he can tenderize his heart. And when he saw that he was that man, his son died, his, his child dies seven days later. And what did David do? 
when his son, when he found out that his son had died, look at me, look at me. Everyone look at me right here. I need you to hear this because some of you need to act like this. Are you ready? When God revealed the consequence, because just because he covered your sin doesn't mean there's no consequence. You hear that? There was a consequence. He lost his child. Seven days later, the child died. He finds out from the servants that the child passed. They were whispering among each other and they were like, and he's like, I think I know. Did he pass? Yes. Okay. And he went to the temple and he praised. Are you hearing me? He went to the temple. Some people want to run the other way. God, how dare you take my child? You know what he did? He ran to the Lord because he realized I have to yield to him. And he also realized, man, it's, it's consequence. It's part of it. But I need to realize in myself that God had come to a place where he was confronting him in love. Interesting note. Can I give you a side note? This was interesting. The story of Nathan telling David response to the man um, and the response is that, that, that the man should pay back four times, right? That's interesting because some commentators point out that David himself ends up losing four children. The child of Bathsheba, Amnon in chapter 13, verse 33, Absalom in chapter 18, and Adonijah in chapter, uh, 1 Kings chapter 2. He lost four children before David passed. He paid four times over, but yet David stayed faithful to the Lord. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? I'm telling you that we got to be careful to realize that when God is shaping us to, be, to use us, he's, he's bringing out some of the bad stuff in our lives to wipe it clean so you can walk like uh, wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But if you try to, 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 to get out of things on your own accord, you're being wise as a serpent, but never, never, never harmless as a dove because sin hurts somebody somewhere. Earth-shattering news, and he still went to the Lord. Earth-shattering situation, and he still went to pray. Earth-shattering, and he still said, God, you are God. How many can do that in this room? Well, I want to tell you something. The big question for us today is, are we willing to repent when God points out our sin? Are we willing to repent when God says, get this out of your life because that's how I'm going to use you. Get this out of your life because this is the thing that you've been praying for. Some of you have been praying for something in your life. You've been praying for peace. You've been praying for joy. You've been praying for purpose. You've been praying for destiny. But, but none of those things can happen. If what he brings up for you to get rid of, you keep suppressing and covering. You don't cover. Let God cover with his blood. Are you hearing me? You don't cover. Let God cover. Because he covers with his blood. He covers with his love. And if we look at this, the third thing we have to realize, because David prayed in Psalm 51, have mercy on me, O God. Why? According to your unfailing love. Here's the third thing we have to realize. Take responsibility for your own sin. Take responsibility. It's mine. I own it. Did you see what David said? No beating around the bush. No excuses. He says this. It's all my transgression, my iniquity, my sin. Mine. Nobody else's. It's easy to point somebody else for our mistakes or our errors. 
In verse five, he says, he has a sinful nature. He recognizes where he is. Let me share this story with you for a moment. Many years ago, a newspaper wrote a story about a man in Kansas. His name was Al Johnson, who came to know Christ. He confessed to a bank robber that he had participated in when he was 19 years old. He came to Christ and he realized, I can hide this no longer. And he went and he confessed that he did this when he was 19 years old. It was so long ago that the statute of limitations on the case had run out. He could not be persecuted at the prosecutor at the time, but, but he believed that his newfound relationship in Jesus needed to clear the air. And I tell you something right now, that doesn't mean that we're exempt from all the things that we're um, consequences, right? Because sometimes confessing will bring about other things in our lives. But can I tell you something? There's not a single time that God has uncovered something in your life so you can just leave it where it is. He wants to make you better. But you can't be better if you're living in bitter. If you're soaking in bitterness, let that stuff come up and let him just, let the blood of Jesus wipe away that, that thing. So what am I talking about? Here's what I'm saying. I want to tell you something. First of all, here's a simple big idea, and I'm going to kind of put this in a capsule for you. Are you ready for this? Here's the big idea. God is great even when we're not. God is great. I think about eight years as a, as a, as a church. I've made many mistakes along the way. Many mistakes. Ask my wife. A matter of fact, don't. Don't ask my wife. We've made mistakes along the way, things that we could do differently, things that we could probably say, you know what, that wasn't the best decision. But you know what, we kept trucking. We kept being, why? Because he works out the details. He fills in the gaps that we cannot fill. But I promise you one thing, God is faithful even when we're not. And that's the main thought for you today. So here's what I want to ask you, this one thought here. When, 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 when we look upon our lives, can we say that if someone was to mimic my life, that is to say your life, would, would they have to alter anything? And if there's anything you could think off the bat that, you would have to, that, that they would have to alter, then maybe that's the thing that God is bringing out. Maybe if you say, well, I... If they was to mimic me, I would probably hope that they wouldn't do this. Then maybe that's what God is bringing to the surface. Don't cover it back up. Don't suppress it. Bring it back up and say, God, I see this in my life. What can I do to honor you more? Instead of saying, I really don't want to deal with that. Let's just push this back here. Let's just focus on other things. Yay. But he brought it to the surface for a reason. Nathan came to David because God loved David so much he couldn't leave him where he was. God could have struck David down for crying out loud. David knew better. Do you know, I believe that believers hurt the heart of God. Listen, and I truly believe this. I believe that believers hurt the heart of God more than non-believers. I really do. Non-believers don't know better. Does it, does it hurt the heart of God? Yes. But I believe it hurts God, the heart of God more when believers who know better knowingly do something that opposes God's word and think it's okay. It's all right. I'm going to do what I want to do. Listen. You can believe what you want. When you have the microphone, you say it. But I'm telling you right now that I believe that we can, we can, 
we can hurt the heart of God by knowing what God is telling us to do and ignoring it. I get frustrated with my kids when I tell them to do something that they know better and they dismiss it. How much more so does God of the universe and deal with it on a multiple scale, right? So today I'm going to ask you to bow your heads right where you are, whether you're online or here in this room. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads with me for a moment. Father, I ask you in Jesus' name, for every person at the sound of my voice, Lord, I pray, would you allow us to realize that, Lord, there is none like you in all the earth. God, you are good. You're a good, good father. You're a good, good God. And I pray, Lord God, that we realize that while you're good, Lord God, in our lives, when we realize how much you've forgiven us, you really are great. And I pray, God, that you would help us to realize that there is a very real God who loves us. And Lord God, you want to celebrate us. But in order to celebrate us, you have to bring about those things that are not right so we can get right with you. We ask you today in Jesus' name, be glorified in this place. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Thank you, Lord. Amen.